Hi, and welcome to the 121st episode of the Keen Minds podcast, where we cover NBC's The Blacklist. This is Season 8, Episode 13, Anne. I'm Jen, a.k.a. Takata Saigo. And I'm Tessa. And we've got an entire episode with Red. Yep, it was, in many ways, felt like an interesting spin because the last episode we had totally read like this was Kate May, wasn't it? Yes, I think so. And so so that, I I feel like... No, we had Cassandra. um, You're right. You're right. Okay. It was, I mean, Liz was in it a little bit, but it was mostly uh, Red and um, uh, Cornelius Rook. Mm Mm-hmm. Nope, you're right. So, how do you like it? Because you're not, you haven't been a real fan of Red, so what do you see, think? No, I have not been a real fan of Red, but I, I remain, as always, a fan of James Spader's. He, I mean, as frustrated as I get with Red, James never, I mean, he, he never ceases to amaze. The man is just super talented. Mm-hmm. And I, I was telling someone before the podcast, I said, well, you know, for a few minutes at least, I could remember that I loved Red and be happy for him. And <laughs> it made me want to be happy for him. And then I step back and go, oh, but you still cost Liz this, and now you're trying to get it. But overall, for the episode, within the episode, I loved it. I thought it was well-paced. I thought it was very interesting. And it took me out of my own head and allowed me to enjoy red for an episode and there were he he did make some small steps in the right direction overall with with some of the complaints i've had about him lately so i have to give credit where that's due how did you feel about that side of red um I found it very interesting that we start and Red is Red is like a teenager in love. He's like, I don't care about finances. I don't know about finances, which is obviously not true because we saw him like getting, you know, this this tip about this and the other. He just wanted out of there. He didn't know how to shove that guy out other than take the computer and put him out in the street. Yeah, I it was really interesting because I, I think I've made the comment at some point on the podcast that I found it strange that he's been taking so many meetings at the restaurant. He's been living out of this, the the weird little apartment he keeps. He's been taking all of his meetings. We had yet another one. He's taking his business meetings. He's taking his, you know, criminal affiliates, Cooper meetings. Like he is, it's a very, explosive mixed bag he's got meeting at the same location and i guess in part that could be covid now that i i'm saying that that could be some covid regulations and trying to narrow down their places that they're filming mm-hmm. but for red that is it appears to be him becoming a creature of habit and so we had him in the pilot say i never stay one place more than three nights mm-hmm. i move around i he was not, and that Dimbe called him out on it in this episode. I loved that piece of it, where he said, you know, the fir- one of the first things you taught me was never become predictable. Never, you know, if you have, um, he's been trying to pull him away from Anne because I think he feels that that you know, Reddy's getting sloppy. He's tired. He's sick, and he's going into patterns. Yeah, patterns. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. And but I, I was just so glad to see Dimbe call that out. Meaning this is an intentional step that they're taking the writing. It's not that that the writers have gotten into a pattern. It's that red is, and it's intentional. Not mm-hmm. for red, but from the writing standpoint. And so to have Dimbe call that out and comment on it was really good. And I I enjoyed that. And so it's. And it's right. I mean, and I understand that from. How from did you feel when, about knowing something that you didn't know before? You thought that, well, Anne was, he just told her that, you know, I can and, and we leave it at that. And then suddenly it's like, oh, no, there's been like five weekends that Red has been there. I really enjoyed that because um, it's like 
for me, th- this entire episode felt like a giant parallel with season one Tom. And I'm sure I'm about to take off a few of our listeners, but that's okay. Let's go. Um, <laughs> let's just go. It's not like this is a big surprise to anybody. But really, I mean, it was it was such a great parallel with season one Tom in which this spy, this individual with a very dangerous life, is trying to play house, you know, without... They, they want the cake and eat it too sort of situation. The... They don't want to give up the spy life. They can't, they won't, whatever the case. But they also want to play the domestic side of it as well. They enjoy it. It brings them peace. It brings them tranquility. A little, you know, calm in the middle of this massive storm of life. And to do that, they feel like they have to lie. And I really thought about it when... Did tell her that he no, was a fugitive true. number one. Told her his name was Raymond. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's true. I could but see I mean, Tom saying the same thing. I'm a spy, <laughs> and then Liz is like, "Ha, you're funny." I'm not sure Tom would want to risk that because Liz might go, "Hmm." <laughs> um, but I mean, Red did definitely play it off as a joke and just allowed it. I mean, I, I think in true Red fashion, he told her. And then let her believe what she wanted to believe about it because it benefited him. And I'm not saying that in a negative sort of way. He, I mean, it's completely understandable to want that, that he's island. Dying, he's dying. Yeah. Uh, Katerina is nowhere to be found. Um, you know, even throughout all these horrible things, Katerina is like missing in action. Yeah. And, and maybe she needs to be missing in action, but he got to be tired. And... Red described it as having a port. Um, And, it, you know, that's having a place to go home to, a candle, you know, in the window, someone to smile when you got there. And I think that in a lot of ways, season one, Tom was that way. But one of the things that really triggered that for me in the episode, that parallel in my head, was when Anne said, um, she she said, well, why, why have you not, told me this you know what why would you keep this from me and she was so angry and I thought back to the conversation you and I have had so many times about was there a point in which in season one Tom thought this is the place where I'm telling Liz like where is that place yeah and you chicken out because you know the moment you tell them that that dream is over yep it's shattered it's gone there's no putting that genie back in the bottle and I mean, and Red wants this as season one, Tom wanted that domestic life, wanted that little pocket of of peace. And it was just really interesting to me. And I I very much enjoyed it. And it it felt very on track for Red, especially where he is in his life. It. I and I know that maybe I am harder on him than likely some of the um you know the casual audiences but i feel like it helped humanize him a little bit um because no matter how angry i am at him for you know having a part of what's going on with with liz having responsibility for what's going on with liz even if he's not 100 percent responsible because she's a grown woman makes decisions he has some responsibility here Despite that, I found myself cheering for him in this episode and found myself loving, you know, Red with his head in Anne's lap, falling asleep at these movies and just just wanting that little pocket of peace there. Yeah. And love. I mean, he's not getting much love of any sort lately. I mean, Cooper told him he was a traitor and not his friend. Um Denver hasn't been particularly happy with him. Liz is trying to kill him. Um, and he also knows that Jennifer was involved in um, in, uh, in setting him up to, for prison. Um, it's just generally not being a happy thought. And then Dom was not very, you know, pleased with him. Because, you know, accusing him and like, yeah, you told, you found a way to let her know that she was an Ilya, which was not what Red did. But nevertheless... That was blame, and Dom died, and whatever 
relationship was between Dom and Brent that was, you know, to me, it was like in-laws, that wasn't particularly loving. That was what Brent had for affection. Ilya is now far away, away from him. He cannot even, like, go to a friend for, for a little respite. His world has become very small and very, very um, barren. Yeah, I, I was going to say dark, but I think barren is a much better metaphor there. It just, you're, yeah, it, that's a really great way to put it. He's, he's finishing. He's in a very contentious relationship with the friend from the East, for whom the pen. He's a contentious relationship with the task force. Um, it's just everything is, I, I put it as he's juggling grenades. And one of these days is going to let one fall. Um, they, I mean, this, this episode, um, and it's interesting too, how, how Anne had both the right reasons and the right understanding of red. And at the same time, had knew nothing about him of his circumstances, making making this distinction between knowing who Red is, which is what Gray, Doctor Gray said. You know, you're you're an imposter. You're you're everybody thinks you're this iconic bad guy, but you're an imposter of that. You're you're not that person. You save me because this crazy person was going to kill me, and. I feel that this is the same that Anne is saying. I know who you are and who he is is a person who gave himself up in order to save her. He's always protecting the innocent and that's and then he had to go be the iconic guy. I can't take you with me because I gotta go be the iconic bad guy and I gotta do things that you have no business being part of. All right. Two parallels, and again, I feel like I keep going back to, to Tom on this, because I feel like there were so many, and not even abstract parallels, some mm -hmm. very clear ones. Um, we actually, three uh, coming out of that conversation. So we had the, I don't care what you've done, I know who you are, sort mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. um, which, to be fair, the Keens had a much better knowledge of each other at that point but it goes back to this idea that I've had for a long time that Liz knew Tom from season one a whole lot more than she thought she did at first like the, the, the man that she knew under the mask was was a lot more um, he had become not even become he that, got confused by by the mask and thinking the man was a mask and then came to understand the man was a man under the mask and the mask was a mask <laughs> that makes it more sense nor completely com confused uh, um yeah sorry oh uh, sorry <laughs> guys much. i'm not all here today um no, but just, just knowing who the person is, even when they are living under a false name or a false identity, which goes back to when when Dembe said, you know, whether you want to be or not, you are Raymond Reddington. And so there was that one. Um, there was, I know I had three in here. Um, the carrying the burdens. Liz, uh, yeah, from the wedding. Yeah. Uh, and I can't take credit for that. I, I saw that somewhere. Someone made the comment on that one. Um, so to whoever made that statement, hat tip to you. Um, and I know there was a third one in there. I'm trying to think what it was now. You were now. talking about the go fish. Well, that wasn't the one on the... Sorry, I guess I am super scattered today. So if I sound really bizarre, I'm just... Not all here today. Um, um, I, I felt I felt the whole episode to be this giant parallel fest. It's been a long time since we've had an episode that was so heavy in parallel. Probably since the Freeburg connection, the Freeburg um, enterprise, the Freeburg initiative. Initiative. No. Maybe. 
<laughs> the Freeburg people. Yeah. That uh, way. Anyway, the Freeburg concern. Here we go. Um, I felt this one was so heavy. Tom, you know, carry the burdens. Um, I know who you really are. Um, and then doing things that it, it was interesting. It reminded me a little bit of. I don't know. I think that I mentioned this movie a lot because I, I think that there I see some parallels. Red, retire, extremely dangerous with Bruce Willis mm-hmm. and Mary Louise Parker and John Malkovich. And it's this bunch of retire old guys um, that are all spies. And there's a, a one in which he goes to visit this woman and he's like having this dream like his life is going to be normal and he likes this woman and then they come for him. He, he just have to like grab her and like run, and ends up actually tying her in the car and putting and putting a, uh, um, you know, preventing her to to scream. And this reminded this this red like dragging Anne around the town reminded me so much of that. And it reminded me when Tom took Liz at gunpoint. You know, because he needed to keep her with her and that was with him. And that was the only way that Liz was going to go. Yeah, there's another parallel. Uh, I remembered my third one, though, and it's it's one that I know you will absolutely love. When Red says, I'm sorry, she asks, you know, well, if it's going to be with or without you, why can't we be together? He says, because I can't have you with me with what I have to go do. The season three deleted scene with uh, Red talking to Tom about could he be the person he wants to be, you know, while if, also if being you a do, spy. If you do this revenge and you lose mm-hmm. your soul, you lose your life, you're never going to be able to be a father. That you cannot do. For, for Tom, that's, you know, being a father. For Red, he can't have this woman that he's fallen in love with. He can't have her there because she's this light. And, I mean, it's a different relationship, clearly, but it's that same, you, to do what has to be done, you can't have that light in your life, that no. innocence near you, or well, it it's going would, it to, you're not going to be able to do forever. with you. Yeah. Yeah. Then that relationship would never be what it was, it would never be a port. Like Liz and Red right now. Yeah. It, it's, um, the, the, the other thing that that there were so many and I gotta give credit to my friend Jay in Reddit because he got a lot of this even before I actually processed them um do you remember that Red was fixing a piano for for Dom he fixed um the the cuckoo clock for Agnes and now he was fixing a record player yep in all of these things end up, you know, there is a fixing, which is an act of love. But music is also an act of uh, music in the blacklist, especially record players. And the um, the um, music box. Uh, the, the music box. From season one that he made yes. for Liz. Yes. So all of these things are bringing memories, they bring comfort, but... Yeah. Music in the blacklist, especially especially pianos and record players, usually come with ginormous amount of pain. Think about uh, when Liz was in Alaska. Uh, think that when they they were stabbing Tom in the apartment, they were they were they was a record player there. And think of that he had one in the apartment. He had one in the in the shipping container. There was one in um, in that that uh, the, the the giant in the woods skinning people who had this like sad life because everybody kept her hidden. He also had a record player. It's record players generally means there is a lot of loss and sadness, even though in the moment they may not seem so. Eventually, and Diane Fowler, of course. Speaking of music in the blacklist, did you notice the song? And while I don't necessarily think that you can hang your hat on parallels between music, um, like the actual songs, because sometimes they have to change it on Netflix uh, or on streaming services later because of of um, of rights 
Mm-hmm. And so I don't think you can necessarily hang it as a hint yeah, towards elephant. anything. But uh, So Low by Jose Gonzalez, I think, yeah. um, was also in Redemption. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. I did not notice that. Um, it, it, there was... You mentioned that the goldfish, and I found that very interesting because... Tom was asking him, "Where well, you call me here to play go fish? And we had a, 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 um, a scene between Kate and Liz as a, as a kid playing go fish. I had forgotten about that one. And then Red in this episode talking about, you know, well, you sure we can't play go, fi- go fish? And it's interesting because, and a lot of people are very peeved because... Red was talking about, you know, not being a good bridge player because he doesn't like sharing with a partner that was in season three when he's doing getting everybody together for in the director part mm-hmm. one. So it's like this is, you know, I'm I'm not a I can't show my hand. And this is very interesting that he's so nervous about because he has to go play play bridge and he he can't show his hand. Even better that he was the one that had to lay down his cards and rely on on yeah. Anne. Ooh, that's nice. I, you know, I don't really expect her to live. Um, I didn't expect her to live through this episode, though. So, who, you know, what do I know? But at this point, I kind of want her to. Like, because I, I still, even after everything, I do want to see Red's redemption. Be happy for a bit. You know, and like I just think that Anne deserves better than than death. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, she's just a really cool person. <laughs> the it, it was very sad because Demba was, I mean, then you you could see how Demba has been like pulling him, like she's not in your world. You you let go of normal a long time ago. She is going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. And I wonder if if, I, if he was Dembis. We, we now look back and we see that Dembe, that Red has done this with, with Madeline. And he didn't show up. And Cassandra was supposed to be Madeline, but the actress wasn't available. So Cassandra came along. But whatever. That's another woman that he wanted to go run away with and couldn't because he had obligations. In that case, it was obligations to Liz. In this case, he has to finish something. Hang on, um, the the actress that played Madeline was actually supposed to play in the Cassandra episode? Yes, it was I not supposed to that. be Cassandra. It was supposed to be Madeline, oh, and, but I the actress wasn't that. available. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. That would have been fantastic story-wise to bring her back. Yes. Oh, that's that's a shame. Yeah, they gotta improvise. It didn't, yeah. I mean, it, it, didn't, it just made Red to be a little more, more, um, um, Given to romances on the moment and leaving and then not, you know. So did you notice it was about the same time? Like you said, it was, he told Cassandra, I couldn't leave because uh, this woman, the husband was not who she's supposed to be. And I had to, to protect her. I had obligations towards her. And in the case of Madeline, it was that summer that he was supposed to meet her in Florence. And that was 2013. Sam Cancer return and Tom had ordered passports and Red had to surrender himself. Yeah. So he was supposed to be in the same, it was the same situation. Um, also, did you notice how um, that line about the cat? I have a cat. I did. I was so excited that somebody remembered the cat. I'm just really worried about that poor cat who is watching it. who's watching Agnes, who's watching the cat, because we don't want anybody else to go the way of Hudson. Yeah, well, maybe maybe the cat is... um, But it's funny, because if you think about it, does he have a cat, or does he have a cat? I think Katerina. Oh. (laughs) It's like a cat. Yeah, it's like a cat. I mean, she doesn't really need a lot of affection. She can kind of function on herself. And you think you own her, but that's not the way it goes. They own you. I I, I will argue on that first point there because my cat needs a lot of affection. Yeah, but on his terms, not yours. Yeah, definitely on his terms. There you go. It's when he wants it. What you want is unimportant. 
It's Which what he wants. Very much Katerina. Yeah, exactly. So it, I thought it funny because we had we had seen Red do that story about the cat, about seeing that cat, almost a kitten, and wanting that cat, and I just wanted that cat, and then having that cat in the apartment, and now he says, I have a cat. Um, it, it's... It, it, I thought it was very, very funny. Um, and then he surrendered again to protect somebody he loves and he has to tell these people listen people you didn't catch me i came in here to protect these people can you just do what i tell you to do because i know what's going on and you don't so a friend in in a group chat that i'm in made the comment we have a a live channel for whenever we're watching because we're all over the world so we watch at different times Mm-hmm. And just this this channel we set aside so that you don't have to know what's going on in it if you haven't seen it yet. She made the comment, she went, so this woman has been looking at him on her wall for, you know, America's Most Wanted for how long? And then she doesn't even recognize him when it's her best friend's, <laughs> you know, boyfriend showing up. I said, well, I'm going to allow a little bit of, you know, People stretching don't of the belief there. Anymore. Well, I mean... That that's true too, but she's in a small town, and there's definitely the, wasn't the it wasn't the computer it was not on the wall. Oh no, it was on the wall. I saw him behind the wall. Um, oh. there was uh, most wanted posters back there, but oh. so you you've got those. But when something's on the wall all the time, it gets to the point that it's it's just part of the wallpaper. You're not paying attention to it, and you're in a small town. And there's that thing with disassociation where you don't know, like, if someone's not where you think they should be, yeah, it's like you don't recognize the, them. It's like seeing somebody in the gym all the time in gym clothes, and then you see them dressed up in a restaurant. You don't, I mean, you know you know them, but you kind of can't put it together. Exactly. And so that's, like, that suspension of, of belief there, like, I can get behind that. With, uh, it's the with same Lois. thing with Liz. I mean, if somebody asks you to describe and give the name of the last person that was on your TV saying, we need your help in finding X, and they show you the picture, you wouldn't even be able to tell me if that person was a male or a female, if it was white, black, Asian, nothing. You would not be able to tell me anything about that, the last person you see on your TV as, a, as being wanted. Well, and I do think that they showed it very well with Anne because the I assume he was an FBI agent there at the end that was questioning her and mm-hmm. everything. And where he was just shocked that she didn't recognize him. And she's just like, really? <laughs> and, I mean, she clearly didn't. I mean, even when he told her, hey, I'm on America's Most Wanted list, she went, oh, you're so funny. Mm-hmm. Because, like, who says that? I mean, if someone told me that, and someone, you know, that I met. I would I be looking, looking on the most wanted list the second he turns away. I Okay, like maybe I should. <laughs> but I'm saying normal people whose minds work in normal ways. Go, oh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also and I'm not I'm, saying I'm one of those people. <laughs> I, I think... I think that there was an element in Anne of not wanting to look too closely. I think that's true, too. I think there was a lot of accepting things because it was easier that way. She fell in love very quickly with him, and she made the comment. The sexiest man alive. Well, I mean, there was that. There was, I married my high school uh, sweetheart. We were married 25 years. I go to church on Sundays. I'm in a book club. And all I can think of when you say that you need to fix me, I don't remember the exact word. connectors is is sex. sex. And so, like, there's, I mean, and that's part of Red, that there's just a, he has a charisma. And the fact that he clearly feels strongly about her as well, I mean, it's, I think that she didn't want anything to get in the way of that. And that makes sense. I mean, humans do that. They they ignore inconvenient truths. Yep. I, I think I, to, I had no problem with that. Um, I didn't think it felt like, you know, you're crazy. I... No, honestly, I do feel that they're, they're, I mean, people do that all, people do that all the time with, with the crazy person living in next door. 
I mean, you look at all these mass shooters and, and the people who kill the family and, the, and not only one, but like oh. five families before. And everybody's like, oh, they weren't so very nice. I'm like, excuse me. There was something there that, that just, just you didn't either see it because you're blind or just didn't want to see it because you didn't want to think about it. Well, I think in in those cases, maybe, you know, family living with the person, that's a different situation. But like, yeah, you hear that all the time, like their neighbor was a serial killer and they go, oh, he was so nice. You know, he's he goes to my church and he walks his dog and, you know, insert, well, you know, cliche small town thing here. And but it's it's because they don't ever let him get close enough to know him. And I think, in in a way, I think that Red, Red, Red meant to, and he made this comment in the episode. He said, "I wanted to get into your life. I wasn't willing to let you into mine." And I think that he let her in probably on more than than he realized. But it wasn't necessarily, and that goes back to the parallel with season one, Tom. It's he let her in on him, not necessarily. Not on his life the the criminal part of it and that's it's a very blurry line it's one of those things that uh, if this happened in reality i'd go no run but i mean we're working in a heightened reality mm. spy world here so can <laughs> we talk the, about now neville townsend that man is so many levels of crazy and i love him as a villain like i'm gonna be very thrilled when we're you know when he meets his end but i do love him as a villain yeah He's he reminds me a little bit of Berlin. He's also bit, going yeah. after a woman that that uh, Red uh, loves, um, and he is about a family. And I and I keep wondering something: Are they really dead? Yeah, because you've made that comment before. I'm starting to get very very strong feelings of Berlin that somebody just got them away and he made him believe that he was dead and told him it was Katerina and he just believed it. Like Berlin believed it was red. Just, I don't know why. I guess because you have so much pain that you got to put it somewhere and hating that person is the way to go. Yeah. You've got to be able to direct that anger at somebody. And so whether it's true or not, they just, and he definitely now seems like at the beginning he looked a little too crazy, but I think that the guy, the the actor is pulling it terrific. I mean, he oh, yeah. really looks insane. Um, well, I mean, he's he's sleep deprived for one, um, which will make anybody a little nutty. And they're, I mean, they're dep- pulling some really nice because that uh, doctor, um, doctor Perillo was also scary. Yeah. They're doing. I mean, they're casting really nicely for this villains. They've always had very good casting in the blacklist, which I mean, and I feel like it's that way for most shows that the casting plays yeah. a huge part. But I, especially on a show like this, yeah. casting can go very wrong. And the people that they have cast, I don't know who's the head of casting for them, but whoever it is is very talented. Yeah. Some of, I had some of the ones in season six were a little too water down that I you know they're they're a little not memorable not it's not necessarily the casting it may be the writing but I'm but in this season they're on target for all of their villains being completely memorable distinguishable and those who need to be scary very scary yeah I just try to ignore season six I mean weren't you like screaming to the to the tv because my husband and i were both screaming to the tv that cop needs to get shot how stupid can he be oh the the chief the oh chief. as soon as he like walked up and red's like you need to get away from the window i was like a bullet's going through that man's head before this is done there is a bullet straight through his forehead i mean it's like and there Daniel was like excuse me you're just provoking me here i mean <laughs> what am i supposed to do i'm trying to do my best but here you are. You come outside. I can't help it. It's oh, just, oh, you're talking about the cop that just walked outside. And no, the, both, I'm talking now the chief. And then the second one. I mean, if the first one was a, was stupid, the second one was just beyond anything. I think he was help. just in full panic mode. 
I think he just, like, he had never seen any, and that, I mean, like, think about it, small town cop has never seen anything on this level. I mean, no matter what kind of training you've had, yeah. a small town cop is not going to have that kind of training. The, the one thing that, that got to my attention here is that a lot of the times people get very upset with Red um, because what Red does is I'm telling you to do something and in this situation you should do as I tell you because I know what's going on and you don't. And I know that the problem with Tom and Liz is that their family and thus you can't expect them to do that. But he proved that those who did as he said lived, and those who I didn't knew you were gonna pull that. <laughs> it's it's just as simple as that. And I knew you were gonna go that direction. I actually have it. I have it in my notes, um, <laughs> not in a positive way as you do, because I went. Of course, he's like I, I have a section in my notes about Red taking responsibility because that's been for me. I I really feel like season eight responsibility has been a huge theme mm -hmm. and I've spoken about that before and I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that I felt like there were small steps made um and so in the negative we had you know some people didn't get out alive and he says well they listened to me like accurate read the room Reddington it's the, just because in one situation or in a lot of situations, that's the case, that does not mean that someone outside that situation is going to go, yes, I'm going to blindly trust you. Lois did, and Lois lived. Lois caught on. But a well, cop is not going to, in general, let a criminal dictate, no matter how psychotic the situation, dictate well, what's going on like that. Uh, Yes, I do understand that, but I also see that Red was saying, you didn't catch me, people. I came here <laughs> to save Anne's life. The yeah. reason I came here is so that, and now let's do as I tell you, and he told them, like, they're going to surround this, and guess what? They surround us. They're going to start shooting. Don't go to the window. The first guy gets shot. At this point, me being cop says, you know what? This guy knows what he's doing. Let's un let's get those cops out. Let's give him a gun and let's all do whatever he says. I think it was Lois's personal connection with Anne that made her that primed her more to do that. Well, she believed her friend in in Anne, but I think that at some point it 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 kicked for her. It it seemed Lois was very smart about yeah. understanding what the situation really was. And I think the other cops were not. Well, yeah, she, she clearly, she clearly had a good read on people because she was distrustful of red for very accurate reasons. Yes. I mean, completely accurate. She, she just had a good read on people. And Lois trusted the friend and trusted her own instincts. Yeah. And, um, and red saved her. That, that, um, what dressing of the wound kept her alive. Yeah. You know, the and, same and thing the that he did that for, for, for wrestler kept him alive. And I think that, that that concern for the innocent and those who read red, right. Get to live. Um, and it's, um, you know, you may not like it. You may think it's like not real, but at the end of the day, do you really know anybody? And if you were in that situation, those who live are those who trust their instincts, not who yeah. trust what, what seems apparent, but their instincts. And I think that it goes to, to nature versus nurture. Those who are good with instincts live. And I'm now getting very, very concerned for the task force, except for Aram. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I understand, you know, as I call it, Dick thinking, Dick wrestler, because he just now begun to think with the wrong thing, and and an angry Cooper, because Cooper is now super angry with Red and not thinking and taking and I like Cynthia said, who am I talking to, Harold Cooper or Elizabeth Keene? Yeah, I, I uh, it, it feels that that 
they're going very deeply in this theme. At this point, there is two roads. You trust red and you live. You don't, you die. Um, what I was going to say earlier was that I do have some positives to say about red and I feel okay. like my minor growth moments. So I feel like I need to give it where, it, where it's due. Mm-hmm. Um, he did admit to Anne directly that she was there because of him while he was popping off to Lois about, you know, well, if they just listened to me, they would have lived to Anne, which is someone he knows better is more like and that that makes sense as well that he's he's always much more flippant with people that he doesn't necessarily have an emotional connection to and so because it's that and and it makes a lot of sense for the world he lives and functions in Mm -hmm. why would he give her anything that's that's dangerous if he's just going to hand out emotional pieces of himself to random people Mm -hmm. but he did admit to Anne that she was there because of him which is something that Red has a lot of difficulty doing. And then he turned around a couple scenes later and admitted it to Dembe as well. Yeah. You should have been here with me. Yeah. And it was and a mistake. So, and yeah. Now, and why Red do you think he turned? I think he loves her. I think that he just needed to be there. Which is not smart but that doesn't necessarily i mean we saw tom do it so many times when tom turned around when with the major on his on his back and he was getting away on the boat he turned around went to go help liz Mm -hmm. um and he came you know i mean tom came back multiple times when it was against his best you know personal interest to do so and while i don't know if red necessarily thought she was going to be in immediate danger I thought that that it was about danger. I don't. I you mean, do? I think okay. that he was missing, but I got a, a feel that if Townsend was knew who she was, it didn't matter if she went to a cabin here and there. Townsend could find her if he could find her. It just seemed to me, why not take her in and put her into some safe hiding for a while, mm-hmm. away from all of this. Yeah, I mean, it's that's one of the things he does is get people out. And mm-hmm. so it, it would make more sense for him to do that. And so I, I'll have to go back and rewatch the scene. I actually rather hope that that's the reason he turned around because otherwise I, that's just putting her in danger because he had to see her again, which is what he was doing the entire time, which I, I understand that's not necessarily a knock against him, but he fell in love. Yeah, after, it's, it's an after berating Tom for falling in love, <laughs> there he was doing the same thing for somebody who wasn't even a target, who was a totally innocent person, uh, if that's what she was. Because I will go back and say, I'm not 100% certain of this. I'm leaving a li- little bit of door there, just a tiny door like a cat flap. Um, that a cat um, flap, really? Yeah, a cat, a cat flap. flap. Yeah. <laughs> Just to, because there was the the plaid that she was wearing when she met him. And it was, she went very fast from slapping him and saying, how could you do this? You know, you're, that was so selfish of you knowing who you are. You come into my life. And, and then not sooner when the friend is like putting a gun on him and is like stepping in the front then lets him leave and then Liz is there. And then it just feels to me, what if Liz found somebody? What if this was like a mix between Milton Bobbitt, somebody who maybe have a, a terminal disease and wants to leave somebody for something else? Or what if this is just like the play of, of, of Blonde Cat with the hospital and the nurse that you always, you think that you got to figure it out and then you got step two. Well, and Gregory DeVry as yes. well. I mean, you just never know. There, when you're getting one of these charades, you think that you're you're seeing the whole thing, but maybe you're not. And Liz is following Kate's playbook and, and Blonde Cat playbook, which always have a charade for you to see and one that you don't. 
And shall we, just because of how big it was, discuss, and for, for fans that do not like spoilers at all, fair warning, I'm about to comment on the teaser for next week. Yeah. Just jump to the end or get up. Yeah. Because I I wasn't able to watch it live on Friday night, so I watched it Saturday morning, and I I went back. I, I typically when I don't watch it live, I don't bother with the teaser. But someone told me, hey, you need to look at the teaser. Kate's voice wasn't that the creepiest thing you've heard in this show. And we, I mean, we have a woman torturing people with medieval instruments. It was the creepiest thing in all the best ways. <laughs> I was so excited. I get, that deary was like, oh my God, is Kate I've, Kaplan. I've missed that woman. <laughs> I love the actress thinking, too. Is she really dead? I mean, she jumped off a bridge, but did she have like a net to catch her and like put her? Well, I mean, it's, I, I had two thoughts when I heard that. The first was I need to ready myself for, for patting Tessa on the back. Yes. For, for patting Tess the on the back ready. with her theory. Yep. And so I'm poised and ready to pat Tess on the back for the brain manipulation and the memory manipulation and Kate's voice having driven Liz forward on a lot of this. Um, but the second thought almost immediately after that was, wait a minute, did we ever get a body with Kate? We because never saw her to a cemetery. Why? Eh, cemeteries don't matter. Spies yeah. have graves. Um, usually they just kind of pile up with them under different names. But, well, in theory, you look at it and go, oh, that was a really long way for her to fall when she was already suffering and potentially dying. But it's also a stretch for a woman to be shot in the head twice and live. Mm -hmm. So on the scale of Kate Kaplan, <laughs> this woman may be immortal. <laughs> Plus, you know, you don't even know. There may have been a net underneath the bridge that retracted, and everybody's all like, oh, my God, they're, she, they're looking in the water. She's getting out. I mean, there are ways to do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and not only that, but we have in the in the comic book, we have a villain that fake his death by jumping off a bridge. The gambler. He, and Red found the hat in the river. And yes, indeed. <sighs> Could you imagine if she came back and she's been, oh, that would just be so interesting. But I, let's, let's go down the path theory wise and say that she, she memory manipulated. My thought is that in, especially if Anne's a plant of some sort, could you, I, I'm just following the breadcrumbs here and going, okay, Kate set all of this up. Let's assume she set it up. She sent the bones to Tom to put Tom in the crosshairs, to kill Tom, to take away Liz's anchor, to put Liz into this position where she could go this dark. And then just you're watching the dominoes fall with yeah. that. And and, and, and and get Townsend because Kate may have known about Townsend and say, listen, Katerina is dead. I can tell you that she's been dead for years. And so you're using this and and it's her voice driving her through. And oh, I just this could be a very interesting story, no matter if it's a memory manipulation or if it's Kate being alive. It's going to be such an interesting story. Yeah. I'm very it, excited. And, and and we saw it how it was with Wrestler. They just took part of what was real with his own feelings that he just disliked Hitchens and just drove him to it. And even Wrestler, who's a you know fairly rational person, uh, was like yes, this happened and you kill him and I'm going to kill you now. And he would have killed him if if, if Liz and hadn't tripped in and, and saved him. Um, so, I, I mean, it, it just seems like the way Liz had been acting with that, like, glazed look, it just didn't seem normal. It's a lot of me... I, I both like it and don't like it because I, I like it because... I, I need Liz to come out of this <laughs> at least semi-hole. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see her crash, burn, and die at the end. And so, therefore, you need a path for redemption on this. And 
if she is 100% actively responsible for trying to blow up a hospital room and take down a plane and all of this, two planes, excuse me, two planes. Um, you, yeah, know, why go, like, you have to, I mean, either you go in all the way or not halfway. Yeah, I fly mean, one, I just want plane. <laughs> hospital room, multiple planes. I mean, why not? But... I mean, killing, killing Chemical Mary wasn't that bad. I mean, the woman really needed... I mean, she was making things for burning kids and, and innocent people. Sure. Oh, I have no problem but, but, um, but, you know, it, it was an extra judicial execution. Those things are better in a trial. My, my point being that, well, part of me very much loves the idea, because we've got a history of mem- memory manipulation through Liz, through wrestlers you just mentioned, and it opens up a nice path for redemption. It's uh, I've been listening to a podcast lately, uh, a screenwriting podcast, and they're talking about, especially with female characters, remembering to give them agency in every scene, that they shouldn't have things just happening to them and reacting to that. Like, their actions should be pushing the story forward. Mm-hmm. And... If that's the case, I'm going, well, that just took all of her agency away. <laughs> like, that's hurting my heart a little bit. Not but, really. But it's going to be, it, if that's the case, it'll be her reaction to finding that out. Yes. It'll, and so that's, there's a place there for it. it it'll be okay. And it, I mean, th- think about what it was when she was, like, giving my baby away. And she was being very, very, like, lying to Tom and pushing Red away and... And then suddenly, and being miserable about everything, and then suddenly it was like her fighting against it. So every time that this had been done to her, is fighting. And I keep going back to why can't Red tell Liz? Red was telling Jennifer a whole lot of stuff and not Liz. And then I, I keep thinking, what if Liz, when she was taking as a kid, it was something this same thing happened that she was programmed to kill one of her parents and then again and then again so in a way this agency will be about overcoming something that was ingrained in her all these times and trying to work through all these things to being who she really is and if you think about i think some of the the stuff in alias which i haven't watched but i know about isn't that more or less some of what was going on in there uh yeah they the i think it was called operation christmas in alias where they basically and it's been a long while since i've i've seen that portion of the show but if my memory serves correctly they took small children who were already inclined you know hit certain points on a test and they implanted triggers that would basically, as they got older, they would be more inclined to go into espionage. And so Sydney, the, the, main, the main female lead, uh, well, the main lead in general, she finds out that she was part of this organization that her father headed up during the, the Cold War. And that she was basically triggered into becoming a spy. Again, and not necessarily like it wasn't her choice to become that. It's or well, I guess that was kind of the question, best I remember was how much is it did, your choice? Yeah, exactly. Which Nature is versus very, nurture. I was gonna say, which is a fantastic question for this show. And we've got Eisentrath. Yeah. Who was alias. So yeah. I, I feel that that they they I mean it's not that either way Liz has a, a quest and she may very well get to the point where where she dies in this and it, it could happen it could go either way I just love the way that they're they're setting this season in a way that it's not easy to see the way it's going to go and when yeah. it's not easy to see the way it's going to go to fans like us it's then you know you're doing things right because you don't know. This could go on and Liz finding a manipulation and coming back. This could go on Liz not having any manipulation and having chosen to do all these things on her own. And then back, walking back from it, however he imagined being the next one who surrenders and says, hey, you know what? I want to talk to Agent Agnes King. Um it it could it could go so many ways and they're all interesting to watch so I'm you know I'm excited about this season and I 
I feel that whenever they give us this this moments of of um, falling asleep and with somebody in love and it just you know that something really bad is about to happen. <laughs> There's a moment of peace. Look for the hammer. It's about yeah. to fall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's exactly right. Well, I mean, back in season five, um, I, I remember I spent so much time talking fellow Keen Squared fans down from the, oh my gosh, Tom's about to die ledge, which I, to this day, feel a little guilty over um, because clearly I was wrong. But it, it's one of those things in retrospect, I look back and I'm like, oh, I sh- you know, look. All the happiness happened. Of course, terror, terrible things were to come, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you know, heaven forbid we have happy characters. Yeah, uh, any which, any pocket of it, you just gotta. This this which show makes and, me very scared for Agnes. Yeah, yeah, because I'll be they very had that, interested. that cute little pl- moment in the plane. Well, I mean, and on the teaser, or not the teaser, but the uh, the teaser photos that I saw, I think it's for this next episode, we saw her uh, in this hotel, apartment, whatever, um, and I suppose a nanny, but Agnes seems to be doing well. It's Liz that looks stressed as all get out, you know. And yeah. uh, it's, I'm very well, curious where they're taking it. And and eventually that's gonna come between her and Townsend. Yeah. Especially because if Townsend ever gets a whiff that Liz was really Raymond Reddington's daughter, she may tell him, but that's not Raymond Reddington, and he may say, Okay, kiddo, I'm I'm sleep deprived. You're downright crazy. I mean, this is the dude that put Max into a punching bag and went to town on him. Yeah. With an audience. Yeah. So I be, I think Liz is playing a very, very dangerous game, especially if he puts herself in, in the place, because up till now she was playing it very, very, very safe with a serenoid. And she could have hired anybody to be her mouthpiece. You know, it didn't have to be somebody who looked like her. It could be anybody and just direct them. But the way that she's now seeming involved, I mean, she was at Agnes' house, at uh, Anne's house. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it, it certainly looks that way from from the clip that we've seen in the teaser. And so... Because in the uh, wait a minute, uh, because I kept looking at the I saw the whole thing is after doesn't Red says Elizabeth in the episode? In the episode, yes. Yeah. To be fair, he said that to the to the Cyranoid as well. Yeah. And so because he was referring to her on the other end of the uh, the communication, yeah. saying that now his dislike for cell phones was uh, yeah. put it into perspective. Ah. <laughs> uh. All right. Well, do you have anything else? No, I don't know if you. Uh, we will do a a questions because there are a lot of very interesting questions. And for the people who follow me on Tumblr, it's not that I. I just took a little leave of absence from Tumblr for a few months. Um, I haven't posted anything. I, I plan to go back eventually when life gets a little less uh, frantic. You can follow my post on Reddit, and I do have a. Uh, I printed them out, 11 pages of questions, which I do plan to answer. Um, just bear with me for a little while longer. Yeah, and for, for the questions that are posed to both of us, we'll do a, a special episode like we did last time. They're very interesting questions. Uh, apologies. We just, between Tessa's shoulder and just general chaos in lives, we ended up not recording anything last week, so... But we, we see them. We will get to them. Yeah, and we have five episodes uh, now in all together. So we probably will get a little bit of a break at some point after those. Yeah. Probably for Memorial Day weekend. I imagine that they... We might. Who knows? Yep. All right. And so you guys can talk to us, send us questions on... We're on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and Tess is on Reddit. Um, and you can listen to us on SoundCloud, 
iTunes, and Spotify. Until next time. Until next time. Bye-bye.